Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and I'm joined this week by my friend, Michael. And Michael, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, everybody. My name is Michael Therese McQueen. Um, I'm the owner of Sacred Eyes Tarot, um, also a practicing witch, um, particularly in the folk Catholic um, tradition and Catholic conjure tradition. So I'm really happy to be with everybody today. <laughs> So for those that maybe don't know, could you explain um, what folk Catholicism is? So that is a very, it sounds like such a simple question, but it's so broad. It's a very loaded question. (laughs) That's a very loaded question. Just start off right out the gate. Um, So in a nutshell, folk Catholicism is um, how I like to describe folk Catholicism is folk Catholicism is Catholicism of the people. It is... um, devotions, it is magical practice that really develops from the experience of a particular group of people in a particularly cultural context and how that um, develops and how that manifests um, really depends on what group of people we're talking about, what culture we're in, um, and it it can incorporate um, things that are what we would consider much more orthodoxly Catholic, but also will incorporate um, syncretic elements, will incorporate um, polytheistic elements, will incorporate magical and divinatory um, elements um, into the practice of folk Catholicism. So folk Catholicism is a very broad experience of a lot of different um, practices which fall into the orthodox and then um, right down to... um, what's the word I'm looking for, Um, the um, heterodox or even the heretical. And so it's a large span of things that um, that encompass folk Catholicism. Thank you uh, for explaining. I know a lot of people, I think, kind of have a misunderstanding of what that is. Maybe people come from like a more of like a witchy or like a pagan kind of background and they're maybe hesitant to approach it because of like hangups they have with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did you describe yourself as a witch as well, is that right? Yes. So, so what do, does that look like for you as far as like folk Catholic and a witch kind of at the same time? So I, I look, I think it's basically my, um, my particular perspective of witchcraft and my particular understanding of magic is that magic is about working with energy. Like, you know, and I think that that's something that it doesn't matter if you come from a more folk Catholic background, if you come from a more pagan background, if you come from from a more secular um, magical practice or mystical practice. It's something that we can all um, agree on that magic at its base um, is the working of energy. And so for me, um, in my practice, um, even though I incorporate um, the Catholic elements into my practice, Um, there's still this working with magic and working with the energy of nature and working with the energy of the world, working with the energy around situations, persons and things um, that really um, delve into that that more kind of witchcraft, that more magical, mystical elements of it. And so that's why I personally identify as a witch. And I also think that there's nothing more rebellious against the church than like, you know, really claiming that title of the witch. Um, So there's also this point of kind of personal sovereignty for me um, that the the church doesn't hold over me. And so that's why I identify with um, the witch uh, moniker. I like that. We're we're stealing back from the colonizers in a way. (laughs) 
So um, what would your advice or maybe your suggestions be for someone that's kind of interested in building a folk Catholic magic practice, maybe isn't sure how to go about doing that? Um, again, an, another loaded question where <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no one, one or really direct answer. Um, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to say, um, because so much of my experience, um, so my background is I was raised Southern Baptist, um, and I became Catholic when I was 18 after spending, um, a really long time in a very, um, Italian-centric um, Catholic culture, um, which has many of kind of the magical elements. It has many of the mystical elements um, of um, that kind of expression of folk Catholicism. So, so a lot of my experience um, was being in that culture. Um, and then I became Catholic and then went to college to go study theology. And when I was like, you know, um, when I was talking to people about these more kind of magical, mystical aspects, which I just thought was regular Catholicism, people just thought I looked, looked at me like I was fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so um, I think that that's um, really the starting point is really kind of seeing what you um, resonate within the folk Catholic spectrum, um, especially those who come from a more polytheistic, more pagan background. Um, I think an easy way to enter within to working with the saints or working with the energy of different angels and saints is look to where they synchronize um, with pagan deities. Like one of my favorite titles of um, the Virgin Mary is um, the Madonna di Monte Vergine, um, which has a long history of being in connection with um, Cibele, um in the kind of the ancient earth mothers and the um, goddess figures. Um, we have other... Um, figures depending on where you come from within um, the practice. Um, I work with St. Lucy because I'm a d diviner and St. Lucy in Catholic folk practice has a connection to um, clairvoyancy, to psychic ability, to divination. Um, and behind St. Lucy in some traditions, um, she's synchronized with um, the goddess Diana. Um, so I think it's important to see kind of where your connection point is with these practices is with these um these figures especially because so much of folk catholicism does um revolve around working in allyship um with the saints for our magical workings and our, our spell work um seeing kind of where the po the point of connection is for you and really kind of drawing upon that and i think that that's really um the best starting point um without getting too overwhelmed that's really good and i love um i love that you said allyship that's really cool uh terminology as far as like spirit work and stuff because i do know in some kind of maybe like loosier goosier kind of online spaces there is like this attitude of like i'm gonna kind of make the spirits bend to my will and <laughs> um things like that which like not um not that I want to tell anyone how they should do things, but I do think there's a level of respect that should be present when you're approaching um, otherworldly beings of any sort, if that's a saint or a spirit or any not human thing. Um, one question I do have that I get asked by listeners a lot, actually, is do you have to be a Christian or a Catholic to work with the saints or to do saint magic? 
So um, from my particular perspective, um, it's, it's that's a no, that you don't have to be affiliated with the Christian church. You don't have to be affiliated with the Christian faith um, to work with saints and to do saint magic or be a part of Catholic conjure or work um, Catholic folk magic into your practice. Um, first of all, because I just want to point out a lot of um, saints are cultural. You know, many people work with saints because they're in that culture and they're in that place. You know, lots of people in South America um, who have left the Catholic Church um, and, you know, maybe Protestant or maybe another faith continue to work um, with saints because they're such an ingrained part of, um, of the culture of that given any given area. Um, so there's still that connection of kind of like the ancestors of place. And I think um, for me, I look at the saints as kind of as elevated ancestors, that when we work with saints, um, they're either ancestors of spirit, they're ancestors of place, um, they're ancestors of tribe in many places. Like, you know, so many of the saints have patronages. Like, you know, if you're a teacher, um, who comes to mind is St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who was a teacher. Um, you know, and you can connect with Elizabeth Ann Seton as a um, as an ancestor of tribe, um, because you know you share that um, that vocation of teaching. Um, thinking about um, social justice work, Saint Martin de Porres, um, who worked um, so tirelessly for the elevation of people of color. And um, St. Martin de Porres being the patron saint of African-Americans, if you work in social justice work around people of color and especially in the realm of advancing African-American people, you can connect with St. Martin de Porres. Um, and also, I just think um, many times in Catholic school, they used to teach us, you know, the saints choose us sometimes. And like, you know, sometimes the saints want to choose to begin that relationship with us and will seek us out. Um, to start that relationship. So for me, you don't have to be um, a Christian or even Catholic or Orthodox because there's saints in multiple religions and multiple um, facets, but particularly in this of folk Catholicism, I think it's, again, it depends on how, where you connect and where um, you build that relationship and that allyship with. I really love the point you made about sometimes the saints choose us because I know like I like am very much a pagan like a polytheist and have not been like anything Christian in quite a long time now but I had an experience with Saint Lucy that kind of brought me to incorporate more like folk Catholic elements into my practice mm -hmm. and that was very much something that was like not something I did at all <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes they're just like surprise bitch like, you it know? was it was very much that like I was you know I do read tarot and things like that and then she just kind of showed up and I was like um like are you lost you know <laughs> is something wrong <laughs> and they're like no I mean uh, this is where I need to be like, yeah you know? and then it's like okay cool if you're good I'm good yeah. <laughs> So I did want to ask you a few questions that um, I've taken from listeners. It's just going to kind of rapid fire Q&A a little bit. Um, so one question is, how do you go about incorporating Mary into a magical practice? So um, Mary is, I think, um, so much of my practice revolves around Mary. Um, and I look at Mary as... Um, 
kind of the cover all for kind of all the different aspects of the divine feminine. And I think Mary as kind of a cultural figure um, and kind of an archetypal figure is really um, a cover all for all the different divine feminine Im images and archetypes um, throughout history. Because basically um, the Christian church came in and just threw a veil on all of them and said, it's Mary now. True. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I think it's like, you know, when we're working with that kind of aspect of the divine feminine or we're bringing in the feminine aspect a spirituality into our work into our magical practice um mary is um that very accessible go-to um for really exemplifying that divine feminine energy and infusing that into our work also i look at mary as kind of um how do i want to put this um as the main kind of magic maker um, because Mary is, when we think of kind of the divine feminine and the goddess, when we think about m manifestation work, um, we can think about the kind of that birth of um, the womb. I think it was the great mystic um, Maester Eckhart who said, you know, um, we're all mother of gods and God is always needing to be born. And that really, um, really exemplified my magical practice for me because it's like, you know, when we're working magic, it's like, you know, we're seeking to kind of bring something into reality and we're seeking to birth something divine um, into our, our space. And so Mary becomes the archetype for us of kind of birthing that divine manifestation into the world in front of us. And so I think Mary's a great ally. I think she's a great archetype um, into working in any type of magical work, especially when we're trying to manifest or birth something into our existence. That was an excellent answer. Damn. I was like, Ooh, when you said, <laughs> when you said that we were all mothers of God, that like goosebumps. Wow. That's powerful. Okay. Next question. Um, when you when you work with saints, do you have to give them offerings? And if so, what do you give as offerings to the saints? So, um, so it's always polite to bring something. Um, you know, it's like you don't. Um, my um, my mentor Gian Michael always says, always reminds us, like you know, when you go to your grandmother's house, like you know, he's very Italian. He's like, you know, you bring a tray of biscotti or something, like you know. So it's always it's always good to bring something, especially when you're first on introducing yourself to somebody right um you know it's always just polite and it's always nice to like you know bring something um when we're making relationship and i think um the way that we look at offerings needs to be um refocused um because i think a lot in the magical and uh, spirit work realm we look at offerings as like, I need to give you this to kind of like placate you to do what I want. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, not that there's not an element of that in there. Like, you know, not saying that there, that's completely invalid. Right. There's some appeasement. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, but I think that we need to kind of refocus our, our understanding of offering as kind of as, as building relationship. Um, so it's like, you know, like, you know, like, just like if we go to a friend's house, like, you know, and we order a pizza um for our friends and we have a conversation over pizza um you know that's kind of the way that we kind of need to look at offerings with the saints so one of like my favorite offerings um 
with the saints is I like to have wine with my saints. <laughs> and so like, um, I like to offer them a cup of wine and then I'll pour a cup of wine for myself and we'll sit and we'll, and we'll drink wine together um, for saints who can have wine, which is a whole nother area of complication um, in and of itself of saints like certain things. But in the usual context, sometimes I like to sit down in front of my altar in front of my saints and, you know, have that glass of wine together, have that moment together. Or, you know, like if I'm having like cookies or cake, you know, offer them um, a slice of cake, but sit down and have that cake with them and have that as being a bridge of communication and a bridge of just kind of like, you know, sitting down and having a conversation. Um, I tend to not like to do food offerings because I do have animals. I have a dog who will eat anything (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's a factor yeah (laughs) yeah and so um so a lot of my offerings with the saints um a good friend of mine who's also a folk catholic practitioner um likes to say that the saints um spirits eat light and so like you know like even like making candle offerings um making um incense offerings which there's a whole history of offering incense in the christian tradition to um, to God and to the saints and to the Virgin Mary, um, offering flowers, um, anything like that. Um, some saints have particular preferences, like St. Anthony, um, for example, likes books. And so like you can offer St. Anthony um, books on his altar. Um, certain saints um, like certain types of flowers. And so again, like I think that offerings really come down to that concept of building relationship and also building allyship um, because we really kind of get to know the saint. We get to know their background. We get to know their story. Um, we get to know kind of the cultural elements of what saints like. Um, Cause one of, um, there's a specific grain um, called the Cuchilla seed um, that's particularly um, associated with St. Lucy. And there's a, a recipe for a pudding that you can offer St. Lucy um, with that um, cuchilla seed, which comes out of the Italian tradition. And you can offer that seed um, to her as an offering, um, also offering her divination tools. So again, it comes back to really kind of building that relationship, building that allyship and getting to know what the saints like, what they enjoy um, on a historical level. And as you build that relationship, they'll ask you things of a more personal relationship of what you can offer also. That those are great, and I I really like that um, you broke that down very simply and practically because I think sometimes we talk about offerings if that's like saints or you know deities or whatever we kind of get lost in like the the woo woo of it <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, and I think it's really nice. It was just practical, like yeah, like your grandma, or your friend, or whoever she would bring something nice to. Um, I really like that. So uh, this person, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but we can um, hit this specifically, I suppose. But they're wondering, if do I have to attend Mass to have a folk Catholic magical practice? No. Um, that is, again, one of those things I think, again, it depends on where you, um, you, you connect with. Um, um, it's one of those things, like, if you want to go to the Mass, like, that's fine. And I think that there is um, a lot of cultural magic workings um, where you people connect, because, like, there's, in the Italian tradition that I practice, like, you know, there's a particular curse that you do at Midnight Mass on Christmas. Oh, that's cool. cooking a lemon. That's badass. With, um, <laughs> with, um, with pens, like, during the consecration. And so, like, you know, like, there is 
like that element of it from a cultural standpoint. But I think, um, again, depending on where you connect um, with a magical folk practice um, tradition or in a practice, um, it really depends on where you connect. So I wouldn't say that's unnecessary part of it but i mean if it's something that you feel called to or you feel comfortable exploring more of i look at the mass as like you know being one of the greatest examples of ritual magic um that's on display for just kind of like everybody to walk into and if that's something some um energy that you want to harness for a working or an energy that you want to harness for a particular intention that you're trying to manifest i say go for it full-fledged but i don't think it is something that's necessary for the practice and I, I think that's a good point. I'll touch on that just very, very briefly. Um, magic, I think, is very much about like what works for you. There's not really like a, well, there there is sometimes wrong ways to do things. I'm not going to say that, but um, <laughs> there, you could, it's very much up to you and your comfort level. So if you've had some sort of experience with the church that maybe you wouldn't be comfortable going back to a church, you don't have to. Um, I have some. <laughs> Which friends, because I grew up um, in the southern United States, I grew up very Pentecostal, so I actually have some friends now that are witches, but they will take their crystals to a Pentecostal worship service to charge their crystals. So it's very badass. I love that. I can see exactly how that works. (laughs) Yeah, it's like they there's high energy in there, so just take that energy (laughs) for yourself. Okay, so we have time for maybe just one more question, Um, and this person wants to know. Can I have a relationship with Mary, even though I am a man? Oh, oh, so Mary loves her men. Um, And I think it's really interesting because so many of the great Marian mystics, so many of the great um, Marian saints have been like men. Um, Like, like, you know, I think of... um, Saint Simon Stock, who Mary appeared to to um, give the brown scapular, um, so much of the rosary tradition is tied into Saint Dominic, um, and I, I I always like to say like even if you're a man, I think that Mary has a very special place for like her gay boys too. Um, Definitely. Like I've never met a gay man who wasn't like enthralled with Mary, no matter what where they were in their spiritual journey it's just like they just were like all about mary and so that is an emphatic yes um and again i want to come back to that um that quote from master a Hart, um that you know that we're all called to be mothers of god because god is always needing to be born and i think that it's important like you know and this isn't to um to mitigate um you know, the role of women or the role of the feminine. But I think that there is something um, kind of spiritual, like, you know, we all kind of share in a spiritual kind of motherhood, you know, that we're all kind of called to this kind of this vocation of motherhood in a very spiritual way. If you're um, biologically male or if you like, you know, if you identify um, gender-wise as male or if you're a trans man, um, there's something that spiritually that we can all enter into that realm of motherhood. And I think that Mary really invites us um, into that place of being kind of that divine mother archetype um, within ourselves, no matter what our gender is. It, definitely. I don't even have anything to say about that. That was like, yeah, period. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great... Okay, so we are coming up uh, towards the end of our time, Michael. Is there anything you wanted to share with our listeners before we sign off? 
Um, I think with um, a folk Catholic practice for those who are, are very interested um, in incorporating saints, incorporating Mary, um, and even incorporating Jesus um, into their practice, I think it's just important to kind of put it out there. And I think it's important to just kind of begin that relationship, start that relationship, um, start talking to these saints, talk, start talking to Mother Mary, start talking to Jesus, and really kind of seeing where the answer is and where that relationship takes you. Um, and really just not being afraid to kind of step um, into that place of allyship and working. And if anybody, um, you know, wants to reach out to me, I'm more than welcome um, to take people who have questions and who have um, who have um, comments or want to have a further discussion on folk Catholicism and Catholic conjure and Catholic magic. Um, they can reach me um, at Saintly Tarot Mystic on Instagram or I'm Michael Therese McQueen on Facebook. And so those are just uh, a few of the outlets that they can reach me at. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Michael, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, that's all we have for you guys. So we will see you next time. Thank you so much for having me.